0: Good morning, everyone. And I greet you this morning in the precious name of Jesus. I, I must say I don't know many of you. And so I, as I share the message, um, I, I pray that it's for all of us and for the person speaking up here as well. But as I think about what to share this morning, I just had to think of the thought of us examining our own selves, examining our own lives, looking within my heart. You're looking within your heart. How it's so easy to compare ourselves among ourselves. And when we do that, we can see sometimes things that are not true. Because when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we would look at someone else and we could say, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm not doing what he's doing. I'm not doing what she's doing. I'm not participating in the same things that they're participating in. So I'm doing pretty good. And so, Maybe there's no need to repent. There's no need to turn from anything because I'm doing pretty good. But I think we need to stop and consider, measure ourselves according to God's word and see where we come out. What would God say? When God look at your life, when God look into your life, where would he come out? What would he say about you? What would he say about me? Would he have that same conclusion that I have when I look at someone else and think I'm pretty good? Or would he have something else to say when he looks into my life? For a title this morning, the message is called, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one. And I must say, I I must give credit to V. Havner for some of the thoughts I'm sharing. Everything is not original with me. And um, I would start by reading to you a poem by Edgar A. Guest. I'd rather see a sermon. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merrily tell the way. The eyes are better pupil and more willing than the air. Find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. When I see a deed of kindness, I'm eager to be kind. When a weaker brother stumbles and a strong man stands behind just to see if he can help him then the wish grows strong in me to become as big and thoughtful as i know that friend to be and all travelers can witness that the best of guides today is not the one who tells them but the one who shows the way one good man teaches many men believe what they behold one deed of kindness notice is worth 40 that are told. Who stands with men of honor, learns the whole is honor, dear, for right living speaks a language which to everyone is clear. Though an able speaker charms me with his eloquence, I say, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And you say this morning, Samuel, you're shooting yourself in the foot. That is for pastors and preachers. But you know, it is true, it is for pastors and preachers, but it's also for every one of you. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're living for him, your life is a message that is being preached. There are people who are looking into your life. There's people who is watching your life. And every day, without saying a word, we're preaching a message with how we live, how we relate to people. The decisions we make, the choices we make. Someone is looking into your life and someone is holding you accountable for what you say you believe. My first point this morning it is easy to hear and to agree. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33. I'll read verses 30 to 33. Ezekiel, chapter 33. It is easy to hear and agree. Ezekiel 33, reading from verse 30. says, Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet had been... Among them it says that the people, they come, they hear the word, they go to tell others, "Come, come here." In verse 31 it says, "And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as thy people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them they will not do them. For with their mouth, they show much love, but their heart goeth after covetousness. So they hear. They welcome it. They're happy to hear it. It sounds good to their ear. But that's where it stops. They will not do it. Verse 32 says, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. And so the message is well received. They love listening to this person share. They love the word that comes from their mouth. They love to hear it. But they do nothing about it. And now the the prophet Ezekiel, he ministered in a, a very evil time. And he prophesied to a generation that listened, but they did nothing about the message. And, you know, nothing changed today. We can still see that around us. A lot of people would accept the message. A lot of people would agree that God's word is true. A lot of people would agree with what is written in here. But does it do anything for them? Do they take it to heart? Do they allow God's word to change them? Do they allow God's word to do anything in their lives? Now, Ezekiel was not the only man of God whose someone would have fell on unresponsive airs. Earlier, God had advised Isaiah well in advance that the people, they would hear the message. The message would blink eyes, it will shut ears, it will harden hearts, lest the hearers be converted and be healed. Now, those words show up later in each of the four Gospels, how the people refused to accept the message. And when we think of it, we're not living. In a day when everyone accepts the message, it may seem that way, but it does nothing if we don't take that message and apply it to our lives. It is easy to hear the message and to agree with what you hear, then just go out and do nothing about it. That's not what God wants us to do. What would it profit anyone to have a head full of knowledge and a heart full of sin? Would it profit us anything? The word of God is not just something to be entertained. We read back here in Ezekiel, it says they're hearing a message and they they call others. Come, come here. Come hear the message. But it's not just for us to be entertained. The word of God is to be lived in our daily lives. And I must be quick to say that it's not easy to live out each and every principle that we see in God's word. But we start by living out the things that we know. We're able to. And we ask God for the grace to be able to conquer those other things in our lives that probably he's asking us to surrender or areas in our lives where we know we're still struggling. And so it's important for us to think of it this way. There are people looking into our lives. There are people who are watching. Our children are watching. Our neighbors are watching. Our co-workers are watching. The world is looking in on your life. The world is looking in on my life. Is my walk matching my talk? That is important for us to consider. And so this morning, it's easy to hear and to agree, but let it not stop there. Let us do something about what we hear. My second point, be doers of the word. Let's go to the book of James. Be doers of the word. James 1, verse 17 to 25. In James 1, verse 17, it says Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Doesn't matter who we are, God's gifts to us is free. In verse 18 he says, Of his own will begat he us. It's not because we're so holy or we're so righteous. It's not because we're some special person. Doesn't matter which part of the world we find ourselves, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so it says here that off his own will begat he us the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Of his own will. He chose, God chose to give Jesus in our place. In verse 19 it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Someone once says, "There's a reason why God gave us two ears and one tongue. A lot of times we talk more than we listen, and even when we do listen, that's probably where it stops. As I said before, we listen, we hear, but we don't do anything about what we hear." In verse 21, it says, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And how would we receive anything if our life is already filled with something? And so it tells us that we need to empty ourselves from some of the things that are not necessary, that is not needed. And there's a lot of things in our lives, a lot of things that we fill our lives with that God would rather rid our lives of so that he can fill us with the things that are more important. And he says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, or the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22 is a key verse. It says, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if you be a hearer of the word, and not not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straight we forget what manner of man he was. And so it says, if we hear the word and we don't do it, it's like when we stand in front of the mirror. And the mirror tells us something. The mirror says, Wash your face. Or the mirror says, Comb your hair. And we go about, we didn't wash our face, we didn't comb our hair. We just treated like the mirror didn't say anything. And I use that example because I'm sure each and every one of us probably did stand before a mirror this morning. At some point, you probably stand before a mirror, and maybe there was a a little here that needed to get back in place. And we did that, okay? But when God's Word points out things in our lives, and God's Word shows us something, do we do anything about it? We look into His Word, because we have to spend time in His Word. And we go in His Word, and we read, and we see things, and it, it speaks to us. It's like, yes, that really spoke to me this morning. But do we do something about it? And so here we see James warning about that same evil. We love to claim the promises that are in God's word. We love to be called the children of God, sons and daughters. But how can we be if we're not allowing God to use us? We're not allowing God to change and transform us. We still want to hold on to our lives, hold on to the things that doesn't matter. And yet we want to be sons and daughters. James, in James 1.22 it says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And we can read that part and we can stop there. But the latter part of the verse says, Deceiving your own selves. So if we are hearing, we love to hear, we're not doing. If we don't do, we're literally deceiving ourselves. Because the more we hear and we don't do, the more we're putting ourselves in a place where Satan is gonna very much want to rush in and devour us. Because Satan doesn't want us to do. Satan wants Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to take us back. Each and every one of us had given our lives to Christ. He could find ways to destroy us. And so if we're living a life that is hypocritical. He would try to deceive us. And he's going to bring us back to where we don't want to go. Now Jesus constantly warned about everyone who would hear his word and not do nothing. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 26 it says, Jesus says, Everyone who hear these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Jesus says, If you hear my saying and you don't do anything about it, you're likened unto a foolish man. And so to hear God's word and to do nothing about it is to be foolish. We make excuses, we blame others, we measure ourselves among ourselves rather than measuring ourselves by the word of God, as I said in the beginning. And when we measure ourselves among ourselves, we can appear to be very good. And so there's no need to repent. There's nothing to take care of. I'm pretty good doing pretty good as compared to this person sitting next to me. But are we truly obeying what God's word says? Jesus says in John 13 and verse 17, If ye know these things, happier ye if ye do them. Are you a happy Christian? Am I a happy Christian? Jesus says in John 15 and verse 14, Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever. I command you. Jesus calls us friends if we would do what he commands us to do. Jesus says in Luke 6 and verse 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? If we're not obedient, how could we say that Jesus is Lord? And it's hard to say for a lot of people Jesus is just Savior, but he's not Lord. And that is sad. Because for many of us, yes, he came, to, he came to save us. And we would accept that fact, that Jesus came to save. He gave his life to save each and every one of us. But he, is he Lord of your life? Is he leading in your life? Is he in control of your life? Is he in control of the decisions that you make, the choices you make, do we go to him when we need to make a decision? Do we ask him to guide and to direct us in making the right decision? Is he leading and directing in our lives? Are we letting go of some things that is going to hinder our relationship with him? Is he really Lord of your life? In the Great Commission, we're told in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, to go out and to preach the gospel to teach people about Jesus. But it says, Jesus says, and lo, I will be with you always. There's a promise. There's a promise if we do what he commands us to do. He says he will be with us. And what better promise than to know that Jesus is with us? If we go out there, we go out there without him being with us, we're wasting time. And for him to be going out there with us, as he says, He'll be with us. We have to be obedient to him. We have to be following him. He has to be Lord of our life. You know, the chiefest of sins that we as Christians can commit is hearing without doing. This is a terrible sin. In James 4 and verse 17 it says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. How much do you know? Are you doing it? In Ezekiel's day, they heard the message. They heard the preacher. They complimented him. They told others about him. But they did nothing about the message. Not much has changed today. We see it happening today as well. We listen to preachers. We invite them. We invite others to hear them. We congratulate them. You know, we say, I enjoyed that sermon. That was really good. That really spoke to my heart. And then we depart. And we do nothing about it. Let it not never be forgotten that although we may do nothing about it, the word of God Will not return unto him void. God says his word will accomplish what it so desire to accomplish. You know, the same sun that melts ice hardens clay. And the word of God humbles or hardens the human heart. Truth heard and not acted upon is a dangerous thing when the spirit prompts you to repent or to surrender of an area in your life that is not fully surrender and you ignore it this contributes to quenching the spirit as we continue to quench the spirit at some point we may not even receive the prompting of the spirit and we don't have time to look at that story with saul in the old testament but in the old testament The Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul. Saul had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. But later on, it says that the Spirit of the Lord left Saul. That's a terrible place to be. If the Spirit of the Lord will leave and not prompt, not point out in our lives things that need to change, that's a terrible place to be. It is sad that modern-day Christians find it easy to hear the Word of God and to do nothing about it. It's like being a spectator and not a participant. You see, you can come to church, you can hear the preaching, or you can go on YouTube, you can go on TikTok, name it. There are sermons all over the place. It's not hard to access it. Okay, we may have a couple Bibles in our homes, but on our phones... Our tablets, we can access the word. And so it's not for a lack of access, but it's because we hear and we don't do. It's not that we don't have it available. God forbid that we we would come to church and we go out comparing one minister with another. And like the listeners in Ezekiel's day, just going away enjoying the sermon. That was an enjoyable sermon. That really spoke to me. God really meant that our consciences be touched. That our consciences be pricked by the messages that we hear. And that that word will effect some change in our lives. That's God's desire. God don't want us to just hear it and enjoy it. It's not just about being entertained. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19... Paul said to Timothy, he says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. God knows those who are faithfully following. But the latter part of that verse, it says, And let everyone that nameeth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so maybe we're thinking that we are where we need to be because... We have made a commitment, and maybe we have laid aside a number of things. we made a few sacrifices to follow what God wants us to follow. But there may still be areas in our lives that God is speaking to. There may be those that are shut that we're not willing to allow God to open it. But God wants, when we read and we study his word, when we see things or we we feel that prompted from the spirit, God wants us to do something about it. Each and every one of us have areas in our lives that I believe still need the prompting of the Spirit so that we can make the right choice, that we can make the changes that God desires for us to make. In 2 Peter chapter 3, let's turn there. 2 Peter chapter 3, reading verse 10 to 14. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hastening on to the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we are to his promise. Look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Since the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, no one knows when that day would be. But it says, you know, all these things, maybe all the things we're seeking after, all the things we're storing up, whatever it may be, it says all those things are going to burn up. Those things wouldn't mean anything to us when that day arrives. In verse 11, it says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation or in our way of life, in how we live? What are we supposed to be doing? Recognizing that what we're living for probably isn't really going to matter in the end. So what should we be doing? Verse 12, Looking for and hastening unto the coming of a day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Verse 30: Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Are we looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth? Are we looking forward to a new body, a body that is not subject to pain and suffering, and all that limit us in this life, are we looking forward to that? Verse fourteen says, "Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of Him in peace, without spot and blameless." And if we're looking forward to that, we should be desiring that God would change and transform us, that we'd be found spotless, that we'd be found blameless. That only could be done through Jesus. There's no way we could have, we could even. Enter the presence of God without Jesus Christ being our mediator. And so uh, what are we doing about it? Is is there anything in our lives that needs the attention? And we're not doing it. We're not giving it that attention. God's word shows us there's things in our lives that needs attention. And we're not taking the steps to correct it. 1 John 3 verse 1 to 3. Just a couple pages after. 1 John 3, verse 1 to 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we should be. but we know, But we, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, and every man that had this hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure. Yes, we're sons of God, daughters of God. We're looking forward to His return. But what does it say in verse three? Every man that had this hope does what? Purified himself, even as he is pure. Are we allowing God's word to purify us, to change us, to transform us into the people that God wants us to be? Are we living a pure life? Second Corinthians chapter four and you don't have to turn there. I know I'm jumping around a couple of places. You don't have to turn there, but Second Corinthians chapter four, verses one and two. Says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul says, Seeing we have this ministry, and have received mercy, says we faint not. But he says, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Not walking in craftiness. There are things that God is calling us to lay aside and to put aside. If we're going to be following him faithfully, we must put those things aside. We must lay those things aside. And so we have to be careful that we're not getting to a place where we we are just familiar with Bible terms just familiar with scripture we could we could memorize scripture you can quote the entire bible and that still doesn't mean anything to you if you don't put it into action in hebrews 11 and verse 8 it tells us by faith abraham when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went you think of abraham and you think of someone God says to him, or God may say to you, hey, pack up everything, start journeying. I'm not going to tell you where to go, but just trust me. Just follow me, follow where I lead. Would you do it? I mean, we would all say yes, we'll do it. But there are areas in our lives that God is probably telling us, look, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just put your faith in me. I am leading the way. And as he leads, it might go through we might have to go through a lot of difficult things. It might not all be an easy path. For different people, they're gonna to have to face different things. Just hearing the testimony he shared earlier, on, I know there are people right here who are hurting, there are people who are going through difficult things. But in and through that we can still be faithful. That is no deterrence to following God faithfully. God doesn't always lead us on a path that has no difficulty. Okay? We know what that is like. For many of us, we may experience things that we wish we don't have to experience. doesn't mean God isn't leading the way. God wants us to be faithful. God calls us to be faithful. And we're going to trust him because his promises are true. And so for my final point this morning, Christians, Beware. Beware. Let's go back to James 1 and verse 22. James 1, 22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. This morning, this is for all of us. This is for all of us. Let's not just look on the pastors and the preachers, but let's make personal application. James 4, verse 8 tells us, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. This is for Christians. This is strong language, but this is for Christians. Does this verse mean anything to you? Have you done anything about it lately? In James four and verse three, it says, "Ye ask and ye receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust." Have your prayers been unanswered because of sin? James 1.19 tells us, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to rap. Are you working on controlling your tongue or controlling your temper? James 4 verse 10 tells us, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Have you been pr- proud? Are we humbling ourselves? Be for God. Sometimes we want to have a revival and still save our faces. But the first thing we lose in a revival is our face. You know, sometimes we have to do the hard thing. Sometimes we have to go back and say, I'm sorry. And that takes courage. Sometimes pride keeps us from doing it. And so we have to lay our pride aside and we have to go back and deal with something that God may be asking us to deal with. In James 4 and verse 11, it says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Are we speaking evil of other people? James five sixteen, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your faults one to another. He says, pray for one another. Spend time praying for each other. That is important. The book of James is, is just a small book. But I believe that, you know, if we would take that and apply it to our lives, we cannot just change our homes, but I think we can change the entire state of Pennsylvania. If we would take it, each and every one of us, and live it, we can effect change. And even further than that, we can effect change. I pray this morning that God will help us do something about the word that we hear. Lest we hear God's word and do them not, deceiving our own selves. John thirteen seventeen says, if ye know these things, he says, happy are ye if ye do them. What do you know about scripture? About how you need to live? Are you doing anything about it? I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merrily tell the way. The eyes are better pupil and more willing than the air. Find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn, if to, I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. When I see a deed of kindness, I'm eager to be kind. When a weaker brother stumbles and a strong man stays behind just to see if he can help him, then the wish grows strong in me to become as big and thoughtful as I know that friend to be, and all travelers can witness that the best of guides today is not the one who tells them, but the one who shows the way. One good man teaches many, men believe what they behold. One deed of kindness notice is worth forty that are told. Who stands with men of honor, learns to hold his honor dear. For right living speaks a language which to everyone is clear. Though an able speaker charms me with his eloquence, I say, I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I thank you.